Welcome to the Glow Through It podcast. I'm your host, Adriana Carrig, the CEO and founder of Little Words Project, and I have with me my co-host and sidekick, Mariah Grippo. We created this podcast to bring you inspiration, laughter, guidance, and most importantly, friendship, as we all glow through life together. Catch new episodes every other Thursday on Spotify and Apple streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Glow Through It Podcast for behind-the-scenes content and information on upcoming episodes. And of course, shop the LWP brand at littlewordsproject.com and use the code GLOWTHROUGHIT to receive 15% off your order. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in! Hi, Mariah. Hey, Adriana. Hold on, let me drink a little bit of this water. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have literally none left. Let me get a little bit of this water. I'm going to drink a little bit of my water. Is that water or coffee? It's water with lemon. Oh, like hot water? <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. Not anymore. Mm. Just like your ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, we've joked a lot about my ovaries and my eggs and my fertility journey. And mm-hmm. we haven't had any feedback that anyone's offended, which I appreciate because everyone knows that oh, it's my God. story, my journey. And if you know me and Mariah, you know that one, we, we roast each other mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. and ourselves. And laughter is like the number one most important. I actually did a personality test recently. Bill and I both did it. And it shows like all of the things in life and like where you rank them as important to you. And like what you say is the most important thing in your world. Hmm. And my number one thing was humor. No way. It came out as humor. Wow. That's got to be first on mine too. Send me that. Why? What, what are you holding out on? I don't know. Our fertility coach gave it to us. So yeah, let me send it. Let me send it your way. <laughs> Was that a sign from that coach though? He's like, honestly, your fertility journey's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see it in the results. <laughs> humor. Right. Hashtag humor. Send um, me that. I yeah, no, I, I will send it to you. Um, but yeah, it was cool. So I think that it makes sense that I laugh this off and of don't get me wrong there's much more than laughter happening behind the scenes sometimes and i feel like i let you guys in um you know like i'll if i'm if i post a vague story of like being sad or if i just don't exist on social media for like a full four days yeah. one is i haven't washed my hair but also two it's because i'm probably miserable like there is yeah there are very large chunks of time where i feel totally hopeless. Um, and then there are those small nuggets of laughter that exist. So that's part of the reason why, you know, we joke. Mariah has a job. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And Mariah has a job. Literally. She keeps me laughing. Um, but yeah, I just think it's important. You know, if you're not laughing, you're crying. My best friend, uh, Katrina always used to say that in college. If you don't laugh, you'll just cry. And it's so true. true because there's, there's such extreme emotions that like, you have to have fun with this. And I think Bill struggles a little bit more with the laughter piece of it than, than I do. Although he's lately come around to like, he laughs yeah. at some of the jokes that we make and, initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there are, there are, we have friends. I mean, like Chelsea, whenever you and I joke about ovaries or you never finding a man, she's like, Oh my God, you guys. And we're like, yeah. it's funny. Like we're, we're like, not- we're kidding. It's the only way to get through it. <laughs> And we are obviously kidding. Like, I obviously believe that I'm going to have a child. I, I have to. Right. I, I wouldn't be right. myself if I didn't believe in that. But yeah. it's also obviously the worst fucking thing I've ever gone through in my life. And yeah. I'm a shell of my former self, which, yeah. like, Mariah, you can attest to that. From Totally, totally. Well, I think, oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I from the beginning of where you and I even met um, and, and became – I started working for you, but when, of course, we became best friends, I think that I've seen such a change in you and I've seen a change of in Bill, you know what I mean? And in just, um, in just how you guys live your day to day. Um, and it is, it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch. And your monthly heartbreak feels like my monthly heartbreak, you know, it really does. Um, and I'm sure all of your friends feel the same way. And I know Bill feels the same way. So it is, it is hard, but you should be so proud of yourself for a continuing to fight the good fight and doing this and, and 
getting up every day and trying again um, and, and putting back on a smile and saying, I can do this because you have not given up yet and you won't give up. And that's beautiful. That's exactly who you are. Um, and then to want to share it with the world too. You know, yes, sharing has become in our, I think in like millennial culture, culture and just in our culture in general, it's so easy to overshare and it's so easy to share. Um, but with things like this, I think it's really, really hard um, to, to share. You know, you're not just telling us what you made for breakfast today. Like you are telling us the, the secret of your heartbreak and that is so hard to do. So you yeah. absolutely should be proud of yourself and, and the world wants to know, you know, the world sees you as a business owner and a, and a, and a wife and a friend that is funny and beautiful and awesome. And you know, you're, you're having all these great things happen to you. And, but what we don't see is this awful thing that is happening to you every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a part of who you are and it's a part of your journey, but it's not who you are. You know, right. it's just a part of your story. And I feel like I say that to you all the time. I'm like, this is a yeah. chapter in your book and it's a shitty one. Yeah. And it's um, a long, and it's a long chapter. chapter. That thing is like Harry Potter. Right. Can this chapter be over? as long as hell. Turn the damn page. Jeez. That thing. The that length thing of the chapter. Long. Yeah. The length of the chapter. But the world wants to know um, your story. You know, I, I love to hear it. Yeah. Um, and, and so does everyone else, you know, because we love you for real and for who you are, and this is part of who you are. So yeah. I think it's kind of time for you to, you Share know, dive in. Story. Hey everyone, Adriana here. Thanks for tuning in for the past few weeks and listening to our stories as we let you in behind the scenes of our lives. This is obviously something very, very personal to me, and I wanted to share it in the hopes that I can maybe feel someone else out there feel a little less alone. So listen in as I take you on this journey with me. Okay, so Bill and I first started trying to conceive um, when we were... I guess I'm 30 now, 28. Um, we had gotten married in 2017 and we waited until September of 2018. We were in Paris and it was the first time we were ever like, okay, like I think we might be ready to, to start a family. And I, wouldn't that have been such a beautiful story that my child Aww. was conceived in Paris, but yay, throw that right out the window. Um, right. God had a whole different plan. God had a whole different plan. Um, so yeah, so for the first six months, um, there was, you know, we just were trying and it was fine, but there was like always this nagging feeling in my body that like something like it wasn't, it was going to take a long time. I think I've always, I think a lot of women can relate to this. I have always feared that it was going to take me forever. I always wanted to know about other people's stories because I wanted to know, like I wanted to have, I want, was kind of trying to like gather proof that mm-hmm. it doesn't happen to a ton of women and that I didn't want it to be a reality. Um, and then it like became my reality. And I actually remember when Bill and I were in college or like even after I was always so superstitious about having kids. And like, I would, every time he and I would talk about kids, I would say, God willing, um, or I would do the sign of the cross. And it was just like a really weird superstitious. This was like back when I had pretty bad anxiety and OCD. And like, that would be just something I had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and but he and I always, like, we always held the concept of, of parenthood so, like, it was so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Precious. Sacred, precious. Sacred, yeah. So, like, we would be so lucky to have yeah. to, that we'd be so grateful. Like, it's something we want more than anything in this world. So we always would say things like, you know, God willing or sign of the cross, whatever. So it had always been something that for whatever reason I was scared wouldn't happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, now we're into this like deep meta stuff, but there was a point in time. Yeah, I'm like, let's unpack that element of this. <laughs> right. Um, but there was a point in time where Bill and I broke up, which we'll talk about in the future on this podcast. Yeah. Sure. Um, and we were, we were broken up for about a year. And during that time, I was like, so he broke up with me. I was so devastated. I was so heartbroken. And I remember thinking that when we got back together, I was so afraid. I was like, what if I shouldn't be getting back with him? Because if I get back with him, then I won't be able to have kids. And I said that shit, which is I so put that into the fucking universe. Awful. Yeah. Oh my God. And I don't know what 
that did to my brain, but it would, it, it haunted me for like, before we moved in together, then before we got engaged, like it haunted me. And mind you, Bill never cheated on me. He, there was never anything that was like awful. He, 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 whatever. But I was just like, so in my head, I was such a heady person Yeah. where I started like treating myself for anxiety and OCD and all that stuff. But I was so concerned about it. And it really used, I remember it used to eat me alive. And then fast forward to we're married. I've never been happier with a person in my life. Like that is my person, no matter what, even if this was destined to be our journey, then it was destined to be our journey. I would never go back and change a single thing about, of course, I, because it is what made us who we are. And he's perfect for me. But for whatever reason, I'm like, fast forward to now. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm living the nightmare that I, I don't want to believe that I manifested it for myself because that's like putting the blame on me and I'm not going to do that. And I also don't want to believe that I was intuitive or anything crazy like that. I just, I I think I allowed, unknowingly, I allowed a fear and an anxiety to take over. And I do think, I do think there's some, there's something to that. You know what I mean? I do think there's something to that. So anyway, okay, let's get back to my story. But that was like, Mm. that's something that I struggle with a lot. No, that's a real, that's a real element of your story. Yeah. Because I can, I can remember it too. And that's a very important, you know, piece of, of the journey that it didn't just pop out of nowhere and it didn't just start happening. And you're like, wait a second, what is this? I thought this was going to be easy. Like you've right. always had this feeling it was going to be hard. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't do, want, I don't want anyone who maybe feels that same way to be afraid because right. No, no, no. It doesn't mean the same. Like I'm one of my best friends. She always thought it was going to be a journey for her too. And then she got pregnant like the second, third month, like she had no problems and just gave birth to a beautiful baby. Like there, it doesn't mean that if you're afraid it's going to happen to you. I mean, I would definitely urge you to not let it completely take over your, your brain and your mind and try to, to not let it affect you so deeply. And, you know, don't hold on to it so tightly. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to, to want something, but try to just like want it. And then like, let it go and be able to see it come for you. I was holding, I was gripping it for dear life. And in some ways I still am. And I think it's because like now I'm in this like downward spiral where I feel like I can't get out of the feeling of just wanting it so bad. And I, I'm supposed to relax. I'm supposed to, you know, be calm, but it's, it's hard. Um, but yeah, I just don't want people who have maybe felt this way to fear that they are going to bring it upon themselves because that's not the case. Um, but I also know that a lot of women can relate to feeling that way. Maybe not you, Mariah. Yeah. I know that that's not something that you fear, but I feel like there's every time I post about it, there's someone who says, for whatever reason, I'm really afraid too. Um, and all I ever say is try not to be like, don't believe that this is going to happen to you. Cause why put that out there? Even if it has nothing to do with it, why put that out there? Um, so yeah, back to the story. Um, first six months I was worried, but I tried not to let that bother me by eight months. I was like, fuck waiting a year. I'm not going to sit here and wait to, for, you know, what they say is the right amount of time I'm going to a doctor and I'm going to demand a test. Um, and that's kind of what I did. And I know a lot of doctors will refuse it. I don't know why anyone would ever do that, but long story short, I was like, I'm going in, I'm demanding. I did. Um, I found that everything was fine through the series of tests that I had done, you know, fine in air quotes. Uh, Bill was, was fine as well through his tests. Um, and so we were told to keep trying till you hit a year. And if after a year it doesn't happen, then maybe, you know, you can entertain a fertility specialist. So a year goes by, it doesn't happen. I go to a specialist in New York. I come back with a low AMH number, which is essentially the hormone that helps you, helps give insight to the doctors as to like what your egg reserve looks like. Like, okay how many eggs you might have. Um, and it's, it varies per person, like whatever age you are. I was 29 and the number that came back was 1.5, which is actually pretty low for a 29 year old. Um, and then as, uh, but we did like a follicle count, I had a low follicle count. So I'm like, okay, well, it was such a double-edged sword because up until then there was no reason. And now I'm like, okay, this, I guess is a reason, but now it feels like it's because of me me again. Okay, so in the interest of this not taking too much longer to get through, I wanted to just pop in and kind of fast forward the next six months of this story. 
Essentially, I got that lower test result and I didn't really think too much of it because I was determined to work on my lifestyle and make the changes that I needed to make to my diet and how I was treating my body that would ultimately, hopefully, result in a better test down the line. So it was the holiday season when we had gotten those test results and we decided we would pause all treatment opportunities until early 2020 if we were going to move forward. That is essentially what we did. And after about six months, that brings us to this week's bonus episode that you might have already heard where I call Mariah the day before my 30th birthday to cry to her essentially about my fears of what this test result would be now. Um, I was going to take the same test to see how many follicles I had and what my AMH level was so that I could find out if I was in a better spot to be able to get pregnant either naturally or with the help of IVF. So let's keep listening to hear the good news we received that day. It was day before my 30th birthday, April 2nd. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I called you worried about the fact that I was just on the phone with the doctor. We did like a telemed conference and she's like, I would come in because sometimes it had been six months since that test came back as 1.5, 10 follicle. Like I had was very low. So she's like, sometimes it can drastically get worse over six months. I was like, oh, my God. She's like, or it could stay the same. So I was like, okay, I'm coming in now. Like Bill and I went in decked in our masks and our gloves and we had the blood work done. And, um, I was really nervous on that phone call and I'm happy to report at this point that, Mm. um, my AMH went up to three, it doubled, which is unheard of. And my follicle count went up to just under 20, which also doubled. So That was really exciting. And it actually put me back in the category of unexplained infertility because now you can't look at it as like one thing or the other. It's just now, well, this is all normal. So I have no idea. I mean, we're on month 18. Actually, this is month 19. And if I am not pregnant this month, then yeah, it's been a full 19 months, which is over a year and a half of trying. And it's just very mentally draining. Like, It is the most mentally draining thing I've ever had to go through, and I've done everything I can to help alleviate that, including sharing, which I think has made it a lot easier, and having so much support from friends and family, um, and and my community. Like I feel like my Instagram followers like just all know me and get me, and I love that I have such a small tight knit community because like I haven't. I yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I don't have like hundreds of thousands of followers. I don't even have like tens of thousands of followers, but I've got this little group of people that just like, they're so fiercely loyal and they so, they appreciate my honesty and I appreciate that. And I've, I've have family members that are kind of like, I don't know if you should share so much. Like, you know, that's puts a lot of pressure on you. It tells the world what's going on and da da da. But I don't know. I just live by this, this ideal of like, I really don't care what people think if it's negative I really don't, you know, I don't, I don't love if someone hates me, but it is what it is. I can't change their opinion of me. I'm just going to be myself. And if you hate that, that's okay. Um, and I, I really want to be a light for people, even though it sounds like I'm sharing like a sad, shitty story. Like I'm still here. Like I'm still getting up every still day. Trying. I'm still trying. I'm still, I, I still run a, a very, very successful business. If I do say so myself, right. um, right. I still have, yeah you know, I still have, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm a good example or I can be a good example of, you know, how to cope with this kind of situation. Hello again from present day Adriana. I guess it's safe to say, um, that at this point I can go ahead and spoiler alert, let you know that we did not get pregnant this month. Um, which brings us to 19 full months of trying and means that we're pretty ready for the next step. So after talking with our doctor and determining the best move forward, we decided to skip right to IVF and not do any of the other timed intercourse or IUI procedures as the success rate isn't there where we want it to be and IVF just seems like an easier um, decision to make at this point. Not that it's an easy process at all because it isn't. And I get a little bit into that in the next few minutes. Let's take a listen. Uh, 
Um, the goal at this point or the plan at this point is to start with the retrieval process, which is involves a lot. I mean, it's very invasive. So it's also, yeah. you know, I just don't, didn't want to go that route if I didn't have to. And I've officially resigned to the fact that, okay, I might have to, and that's okay. Like I'm not, yeah. I don't feel, that's the other thing. I don't feel any less because of, of course it. I feel very normal as a woman, one in eight women go through this and I don't feel less than. And I think that if we had more people talking about their journey and telling it honestly, then most women who go through this wouldn't feel less than either. Exactly. But it's because we've created this culture of fear around this and this culture of, you know, I don't want to talk about the, the negative shit in my life. I only want to discuss my highlight reel. Well, that's going to do something awful to those of us who do go through this kind of shitty stuff, which is yeah. the whole reason why we wanted to, one, why we always talk about it, but two, why we even launched this podcast, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to show you guys what's real and then also like how we're glowing through it, you know, to use literally. Like- yeah, no, we're not, we're not glowing through, you know, a successful week in business and glowing through a really awesome date. Like we're glowing through the fact that like, a lot of things suck. (laughs) And like this, especially, I mean, this is an awful, like I was saying before, like this is an awful element of your, of your story. And, but it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not worthy of sharing. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed of it. Like I really am not like it's, it just is what it is. Am I sad for myself sometimes? Yeah. 100%. I I definitely can get into really low places, but I think we all can, no matter what we're battling. Oh yeah. Like there are moms who are sad for themselves, you know? So I don't look at my experience as less than or anything different than what another person is really, really struggling and coping with. Um, And, you know, I do my best to keep that perspective as much as I possibly can. And at the end of the day, I am so lucky in so many avenues of my life. I have a husband that is incredible. I've got a family that is incredible. I've got a business that is incredible. I've got friends and employees. I mean, I've got a roof over my head and especially during this crazy period of of COVID-19 that we're still filming during. um, I just feel like I do feel very blessed. Does that mean that I didn't have a complete and total breakdown last night with you on the phone, Mariah? Right. (laughs) That was just like, we was too much to film. (laughs) And everyone would be like, okay, I didn't start listening to podcasts to cry. Again, it's not because we don't want to share, but like I needed just like in that moment. Yeah. You had, you had that moment and, and today you're not afraid to say it. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that like you sat there and cried with me and, and it was funny because we started off like talking about little words and, and I, you could yeah. tell I was in such a pissed off. I was so just like pissed last yeah, night. I hated, it all. I hated everything. I hated it all. And then I, I ultimately <laughs> just broke down to like, I just want to be pregnant because I yeah. do feel like it always comes back to that. It, it does. does. Like it all does. And I think, I think everyone who potentially is going through this this same journey or or this similar type of journey can relate to the fact that like it all comes back down to the simple fact of like the one thing that you want is not happening for you right now and it's completely unexplained and it makes no freaking sense so right. like the only thing you can do right now is just be like why god literally why why literally why it's the only question i ask I, and i I don't know. And I'm, and I, and I hate when people tell me I have to relax or just calm down or whatever, because I know I hate like, that. Yeah, no, for sure. Right. Yep. I'll relax. Hold for on. Second. Let me go relax. somewhere, right. Please let me relax. It's just like, you're never until you have a child, you will never stop. If you're like me or you're in my position, you will never stop wanting a child. So there is no part of Well, it's me. similar to me wanting a boyfriend. I'm not even going to lie. So there's some similarities. Some. Like, I can really not relate many, in a small some. way. No, it's so different. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> if I can relate in any way, it's like, yeah, no, same. I totally feel you in that yeah. desire for, like, that thing. You just want that thing. And, like, yeah. yes, you have a business. You have a husband. You have the, a dog that I'm literally obsessed with and I might steal one day, <laughs> like, in the middle of the night. Like, there are to- so many elements of your life that are correct. So to have this one thing feel so incorrect, it's mm-hmm. just, like, this 
freaking bomb of just confusion in your brain and you're just like what the hell it's just sad because like like the other day bill bill turned to me and he said you know what this house is missing and i was like what he said a baby i was like oh jesus christ of course bill good one body just died but we were we were like yeah it does and like we're we're very rational about it now it's not like we're like crying to each other all the time but we do have breakdowns and I think that the other secret to like surviving this is having a partner. If you're, if you do have one, I mean, I know a lot of women kind of try to go this alone, which like, geez, man, power to you, please come slide in my DMs. Let's be friends. Cause like, I want right, to you, um, yeah. but I'll help you raise that baby. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll never find a man. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I am lucky enough to have a partner that you like, have that, mm-hmm. but he knows like if there's a month where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I'm breaking down. He knows it's his month to be a rock. And then there, yep. there was a month where I was like, I'm good. We're good. We're, we're doing the testing. This is great. And he like, you know, he was out of it. He was like, yeah, he like had come home and he looked out of it and then he, he kind of lost it. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and, and those are the moments where I'm like, Oh, like I don't yeah. want, I feel guilty because I can't not because all I want to do is give this man a child. And I know all he wants to do is give me a child. And all we want is this. And so I do need to take my own advice to like, let it go a little bit, not relax. That's not the term. Um, but I do know I have to, I have to let go of, of how much I want it. Let go and let God, as they say. So anyway, I just wanted to pop in and say that. Um, and then one quick note about the story of me feeling like if I got back with Bill, then it would result in us not being able to have kids. Um, that all kind of was put to rest literally last year when I finally admitted that to him. I had never told him that. And I felt like shame about that, that I just was holding on to this thing that I, I had been like faulting our past for our present. And I didn't want to do that. So I said to him, you know, I had told him the truth and, or what I had been thinking or what I had thought, I should say, because I couldn't use it. He then said, well, Adriana, for every negative feeling you've had about us, I've had a positive one. So I cancel you out. And that was like the most incredible like the, for every negative thought that I put into the universe, for every negative thing I think I'm manifesting, I think I did this to myself, you know, he's like, well, for every negative one you've had, I've had a positive one. So that's going to cancel it out. And I just think that was like the most incredible moment he and I have probably ever had to date and I'll never forget it. And it's true. You know, we're, we are, we cannot control anything in our lives besides our own emotions. And I I learned that that day. And I think it's, you know, the only thing that's kept me pretty sane and not believing that I did this to myself. Um, So yeah, but anyway, that's my story. Morning glory. I think you've shared bits and pieces and it's, it's helpful to kind of hear it start to finish of just like where it, well, not even to finish, just start to now. Um, And I even told you earlier, like, yeah, I even told you earlier, like before we started that like, don't feel like you have even ever have to finish the story because we're all, we're here to support you eat every single element of this journey. So like this is this is your this is this chapter here, and we're excited to be here and be a part of this chapter. And then whatever's next, we're here for it. Um, no, one hundred percent, and I appreciate that because I don't know what I would do without the comfort of a community because it's, it gets really, really, really lonely. Um, especially when you see everyone else kind of achieving yeah. this goal in life and, and, and I, I shouldn't even say achieving cause mm-hmm. it's not something to achieve, but having this desire satisfied, I think is something that can be hard to yeah. witness if you're going through this. So just know that you're not alone and I'm with you and I'm not afraid to talk about that. And, um, you know, we, we got this, we're all in this together. Speaking of, um, the community of people that are going through this, we are bringing on another member of this community, um, Haley Teco. She is the founder and CEO of Natalist and was previously the founder of a early stage digital health venture fund called Rock Health. And she's also an adjunct, adjunct professor at Columbia Business School. Um, she started her career in finance and business development roles at Intel and Apple, which is like really impressive. Um, and right. speaking of impressive, she is currently an, an advisor to the Harvard Medical School Department of Biomedical Informatics and Boston Children's Hospital. So this woman wow. has 
truly, as well as went to Harvard Business School herself. Um, <laughs> right. It's insane. This woman's a genius. She's a genius. Mariah, be on your best behavior. Right. Um, <laughs> let's keep the amount of, 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 uh, of jokes at bay. No, keep the jokes. Keep the jokes, but maybe keep. Right, anyway, she went to Harvard. The woman's smart. All right. Bring okay, the genius the on. Get, get us out of here. Ring her, ring her on. Um, but no, so she's incredible. And uh, she also has her own fertility journey that she has been on um, and is still on. Uh, and it you know, took her quite some time to conceive her, ch- her son, which she does have, which I look at as a beacon of hope. Um, and Absolutely. so we wanted to bring her on to ask her a few questions about her experience. And yeah, we're super excited to have her. So without further ado... Uh, Chelsea, bring her on. Let's just kind of get into to you and who you are. Um, for the audience, you know, we we met each other via Instagram virtually again. Um, Love that. Like a couple of months ago, and we did a giveaway with Natalist and Little Words Project, um, which obviously is very near and dear to my heart, considering you know, my experience with fertility struggles. Um, so I guess I want to kind of hear from you, like, what is your journey? I know that you've dealt with fertility struggles for a long time. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, I think it took you about four years to have your first child, I believe. Um, but guess what? To me, that's a success. It it gives me hope. (laughs) Um, so I guess I want to hear kind of your story and then I want to let, you know, I want to let, I want to ask you a bunch of questions that'll make me feel yeah (laughs) and you just turned 30 right I just turned 30 yeah that's when so my husband and I married at at like 28 and 30 is when we started trying so that was kind of my my start I hope that you have your first child before 34 um (laughs) and we've been you know trying for our second since then so the whole my whole journey in fertility has been seven years and um, you know, it's been a shit show, like so many others. Um, you know, I've literally, literally have gone through everything. Um, and you know, it really was the inspiration for my work at Natalist, as well as my work as an angel investor, investing in companies that are really trying to push women's health forward and support women through all stages, including reproductive health. So, you know, there's some good that came out of it. I do um, and most of it really sucked. Most of it was really bad, caused me a lot of depression and anxiety around it. But I do try to look at the positives, which is I built a lot of resilience. My husband and I became a lot closer. I feel like we really became a team, which has been so important as a toddler mom. Um, and, you know, I've been able to kind of find my calling professionally. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's, it's just, I can't even put words around it. I mean, it's so hard to month after month mm-hmm. get negative pregnancy tests. Um, and they, you know, they say like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results. You yeah. really start to feel crazy. Um, and, you know, the hope, you have so much hope going into it. And that hope just gets, you know, smaller and smaller. You have less to hold on to. Um, the other piece that's really difficult about fertility is that generally for most people, we actually don't know what's wrong. And so did you have an unexplained diagnosis? No, I mean, I've had all sorts of diagnoses. Um, I have PCOS, I have Mm -hmm. fibroids, I have an immune condition. Um, So I've had like a lot of things, but nothing that should really like be the reason. I've, you know, I've had recurrent miscarriages, which Mm. could be due to chromosomal abnormalities, but like you know, we've done genetic testing and nothing like truly explains it. And my, you know, physician is always like, I'm always like, I just want to know why, why, like what's wrong. Um, and he's like, for most people, we really can't say because everything that we thought we could solve for didn't really solve it. So, um, that's, that's really hard to not have answers, um, and just know that something's wrong with you. And I think especially for women, um, like you and myself who are very ambitious and work really hard, because our whole life we're taught that, you know, if you work really hard and follow the rules, you can achieve what you want to achieve. And I feel like I've been able to do that with a lot of things in my life, except having a baby. I followed all the rules, um, took all the steps and really wasn't able to. So 
I think that this is the one exception to that, that rule of, you know, my biggest thing is if you believe in yourself, it'll happen. And I, I do think there's some component to the fertility journey that that could be true. Cause I, I you know, unfortunately yeah. a lot of it does have like is mental. Um, yeah. and it's, it's so crazy to me when I, I work with fertility coaches and I just talk to, you know, everyone wants to give their advice, which I'm sure you've experienced too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's always like, just relax or, you know, try not to think about it or worry about it. <gasps> Yeah. There's no, and I was like, did you try taking a month off? Maybe, maybe you just relax this month a little bit. You see, you can't really take off. Yeah. I'm also at at my wits end. So I think that's the other question that I have for you. At what point in your journey did you decide, okay, I have to move the needle. Like I can't trying naturally. How long was that? Yeah. Well, um, so we were told to try for a year naturally before doing anything. So, you know, they define infertility as six months trying under, sorry, 12 months trying under 35 and six months trying over 35. So, um, we saw, we went to army in New York first, saw a doctor there, did all the workup, um, and started on kind of the normal like path. I mean, first they put you on the fertility drugs, so I think we were on letrozole or Clomid and, you know, you try that for a few months and see if, if that solves anything. And then we moved on to IUI, did a few months of IUI. Um, and then we took a break and just, you know, it was like very stressful um, and waited, you know, tried naturally again, um, did some medications again before starting IVF because IVF is just like, you know, it, it felt to me at the time, like an admission of failure. Um, like it's such a scientific intervention that I was like so hesitant to start. Um, and I had some like weird hormone levels that were concerning to my physician, but like I, I, my, like I needed to get those under control first before we could successfully do IVF. So, um, you know, now I look at IVF and I'm like, it's amazing. Like, I love that we've come this far in science that, you know, it's enabled so many people to become parents, including myself. But I will say, you know, the failure rate is still really, really high. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, you, the failure rate at every, you know, at, at every point is, is different because if you've been trying longer, you're probably, you know, there's, there's something obviously wrong under, you know, underlying it wrong. Someone who's perfectly healthy doing IBS would probably work. Uh, so, you know, I think I, I felt it was probably like, around your time period of a year and a half where my mental health was really in a bad place. I felt so hopeless. I had so much anxiety. I had to, you know, get that taken care of and see a therapist. And I never in my life, I mean, I, you know, I've always been a very happy, (laughs) um, very positive person. I never dealt with any mental health issues at all. And certainly that just threw me into a downward spiral of feeling really sorry for myself. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it it was just really, it was, that was the, I think the low, low, low point for me. Right. Um, Right where I am. (laughs) So another question I have for you is when you were going through the process and you were going through those recurrent miscarriages. And I mean, what led you to like, keep trying, like what, what drove you to stay so strong and, keep going what, what was there anything that you can kind of like highlight you know this answer you know this answer I mean it's the desire yeah. to to be a mom I mean it is the coolest thing ever to a mom I love it it's the best job I've ever had um it's it's and when you are a mom who struggled with infertility mm. like there is you you don't complain you don't like you're just so grateful like yeah. you know being up at three in the morning, feeding, you know, dealing with a crying baby. I like dream of, and I'm a sleeper, Yeah, dream of being woken up by a child. I'm like, exactly. And so I think that's like one, one really beautiful thing about, um, you know, becoming a mom after infertility is like, you're grateful in a way that, you know, no one else could possibly understand. You're also like so overprotective (laughs) (laughs) for for the first six months of my son's life my husband who's even more overprotective than I said that like there always had to be someone awake with him like even if he was sleeping like someone had to be awake watching him oh so (laughs) like you just are are so grateful I think you know a lot of people that just like don't really um you know if they get pregnant 
so it's a surprise, it's an accident, you know, they might not be mentally prepared and ready. They might even be resentful of the timing. Whereas like, if you waited for months and months for this baby, you are like the most yeah. grateful mom ever. So I think what's, you know, what kept me going is what's keeping you going. And, you know, I, I think, I think you'll get there. I'm excited for you. And you'll see that like, you then have the opportunity and you have the opportunity now and you're already doing this, but to support other women who are going on their journeys. And I think like the sisterhood, it's a club you never wanted to join. Mm -hmm. um, but the sisterhood of women who have gone through this um, are just so amazing and so supportive and loving and just like, there's, unfortunately it's a big club, um, but the club is one that will lift you up and keep you going. And there are a lot of great social accounts that I follow that have truly helped me. I mean, it's amazing. Like I almost feel like it'll be in my feed and there'll be a quote about, you know, something related to infertility from one of the infertility groups I follow. And I'll be like, man, I need to hear that today. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it, it really like people are so good at supporting each other in this space and you're just going to continue to support others. And I'm excited that you're now being so open about it. Thanks. Yeah. You know, my, my close friends are, you know, always, always there for me, always just so amazing and supporting me, whether it's like, you know, when they know I'm going through an IVF round, sending me the cookies that I need, um, or just like literally being a shoulder to cry on, like physically yeah. being able to just cry into someone is really helpful. So I've, I've felt really loved and supported. It also helps you know who your real friends are. Um, the advice is annoying. Friends, People out there, if any of your friends are doing the fertility and you haven't, don't give them advice because they definitely have tried everything. I know. I literally all the time, like if, if I know I should be like giving advice in a situation in, a, in some way, I'm always like, all right, I'm not going to just say anything. I'm just going to be like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I Mariah, love you. Mariah's, Mariah's amazing in that she does give me like sometimes she just knows that I'm not having a good day and she'll text me and be like, what's like the, yesterday? She's like, what are the, what's the thing you're most grateful for? And I was like, I didn't even know yesterday you were having a bad day. And then, and then she FaceTimes me and you're, we're talking and I, and I'm going off about something on the bit in the, on the business side of things. And then like slowly, but surely we're peeling back the layers of the onion. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I just like, oh, want to be pregnant. I was like, she needs yeah. a breakdown. Let's peel this I one. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's unpack this. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a great thing to say to a friend. I think saying, just saying like I'm sorry this is so unfair I hate that you're going through this yep. oh yeah she I love to... you like what are your what's your favorite type of cookie like I'm gonna bake them for you like don't like the one well, another thing don't not to say is like like what do you need let me know what you need it's like don't put the burden of asking for something on the friend mm. just mm -hmm. like mm, okay. do something send them flowers send them like mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it's like treats. So yeah. <laughs> my friends, when we had our last miscarriage, my coworkers sent me sour candy because they know how much I love sour candy. So, you know, think like, don't ask them what they need. Just like predict what they need. They're your friend. You should know this. They're not going to not like flowers. They're not going to not like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I will say like, I think that a lot of times my friends are afraid to ask me what's going on. And I don't, I don't necessarily mind that. Like, if you want to ask, I have no problem sharing. I appreciate it actually. Like knowing that like, I'd rather, Hey, what's the latest than like, yeah. Hey, how are you doing today? Cause yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. Like I'm fine. You know, like, what do you want me to say in that moment? I'm not going to dump yeah. my shit on you unless you like specifically ask. Um, but also I think just remembering to that, like, you know, it is a really awful thing and, and there is no point in time where I'm, I'm happy about my situation. Like yeah. I, I, there's a, there's a, there's a dull line of, of misery that lives underneath everything that I do, but yeah. I do my best. I mean, this podcast is all about glowing through it, right? Like I, how do I make the most of it? I'm sharing because for me, it's really helpful when I share something and I just get like a bunch of hearts in my DMs or I have yeah, friends that's nice. or, or followers saying, Hey, I went through this too, or Hey, I'm so afraid of this as well. Totally. Thank you for sharing it because it's been a really good outlet for me to have that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful to my community that I've created. Um, but yeah, I, I'm rambling at this point, but I, I guess it's just like, it is such a, it's such a heartbreaking thing that yeah. I, I think that a lot of friends that have gone through it and happened really easily for them, they believe that it's going to happen for me, but there has to be a level of understanding that you also go through as a friend that is like, this must be the worst thing that's like, look at, look at your baby. Oh my God. Yeah. 
love that baby and then think about your friend who's all she's wanted is a baby since like before you even got married <laughs> like yeah that's something that you have to like reconcile with. So <laughs> let's, before we end, let's just get into a little bit about Natalist. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously I, we understand what led you to start it, but mm-hmm. you know, what is your, I, I personally ha- have tried some of the um, ovulation sticks, which I just think are so easy to like read and understand, oh, simple, foolproof, love Perfect. that about it. So yeah, tell us about Natalist. Yeah, I mean, this has been a labor of love um, with me and my team. I mean, it's been, um, we've been, we started a year and a half ago, but we've only been in the market for about seven months. So we're still a new company. Wow. Um, And really our goal is to create evidence-backed products that are also really beautiful, affordable, and easy to use. So really taking an approach of like all the existing products, the pregnancy tests, ovulation tests out there are very clinical and not very millennial friendly. So we've um, you know, done our research. We've had our focus groups to really create products that are easier to use, more delightful to use. We're really inspired by beauty brands. So we look at, you know, the look and feel and the usability of it. Um, we study from kind of the consumer perspective, which is not uh, crazy that it's like novel in the medical device space, but really trying to make the products just a better experience, what we want to use. And we're all users of our products. Like, our, most of our team are moms and um, we're trying. And so we're, we, we are the people that we want to serve. Um, we just launched in Target last week, which is so, yes. so exciting. Oh um, that. That's awesome. And yeah, huge for us. Um, crazy time to launch a product in retail. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. But um, if, if anyone's going to survive this, it's, it's probably Target. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I our, sale, um, our sales the first two weeks are really strong. So people are cool. still, um, you know, these are essential products. And that's a big thing for us too, is there's a lot of junk science, a lot of misinformation out there. And we are like fully like we're in, in battle mode to like take down the junk science and tell the truth about um, these products. So we actually have a page on our website that's what we don't sell. And we list all the products that don't have any evidence, but you know, we, we think our customers shouldn't waste their money on them. Um, so you know, we're taking an approach of like that's cool. only sell things that actually can benefit our customers and that's how we'll build trust. And so most of our products are medical devices. We do have the little word product um, projects bracelets so we have our yeah. persist collection which Love that. really cool um i think it says persist i've got this and baby dust yeah. and then we have the mama collection so um those are our only non-medical products but i think that it's a big big piece of um achieving your goals um which very is- emotional products you need those too yeah. you know like during the during it feels good absolutely yeah. i think yeah especially now um, the, we're, it's already a very lonely journey. And I think now, especially lonely, cause we're not able to hug our best friends. Um, yeah. so it's kind of the timing of getting those bracelets up, I think was, was serendipitous because people, you know, need that reminder a little bit more now. Yeah. And then one more thing I do want to mention, um, you are doing such incredible work to help the COVID-19 struggle right now. Mm-hmm. You've got so many links on your website where people can, learn mm-hmm. about the foundations they can donate to and, and just w- what they can do. And I believe yeah. I saw somewhere that you've donated over $450,000 already. Well, um, not, I haven't donated no, that not you, but I donated, yeah, I, I'm part of a group um, of donors. So yeah. between yeah. all of us, we've donated. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so incredible. So thank you so yeah. much for all the work you do for oh the, gosh. the, the female you. world, the feminine space, the fertility struggles. I See mean, what you get when you graduate from Harvard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A true helper to this world. <laughs> Go to Harvard. No. Um, but no, Hallie, this was so incredible. Thank you for sharing your story with me and being um, mm-hmm. being inspirational and, just- and me you don't even know me and you shared it with me too and and all of our audience so thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah no we we really appreciate it because we do want to I definitely want to normalize what what this is um I want yeah. them to understand that and I think part of the reason why we're all so afraid of it happening and we allow it to get in our heads is because we think it's so awful and taboo and, and it does suck um but it's not because you're ashamed of what you've gone through yeah. there's a part of me that's sh- I don't feel 
I don't feel broken. I don't feel like less of a woman. I don't think infertility defines me. And I don't feel like I should be ashamed of what I've, what <clears throat> I'm going through and what I might have to go through to get my child. I don't, that doesn't bother me. What yeah. bothers me is not having the end goal in my hands. You know, that's yeah. the only yeah. thing that I care about. And knowing you're at least nine months out. That's the hardest part. Like when March hit, I was like, all right, well, there goes 2020 for having a baby. Right. So oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I know. And I had a, I had a, wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. God. Another element of this that outsiders don't even consider because you do have that whole timeline to still think about. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, my husband, like it always makes fun of me, but like, I'm always like thinking about our Christmas card and I'm always like, Ooh, well, we have a baby on this year's Christmas card. And then, right. you know, March hits and you're like, no, not yeah. this year. I say, I just, I don't want to go through another family Christmas without something at least cooking in the oven because I've oh. been open about it with my family and I've talked about it and, and I, my family is Italian. They're all very like involved and I don't mind it. Um, I know Mariah, you're nodding your head. Like you get it. Um, no, cause my dad asks me every day when I'm going to have a kid. I'm like, dad, I don't even have a boyfriend. Nobody but- even texts me back. How am I going to have a kid? <laughs> when? <laughs> I'm like, dad, you have no respect. But yeah, all those, all those family parties and, and people yeah, knowing, I just, make it hard. I just don't want to be the girl crying over her eggnog about not being pregnant at this time, at this Christmas party. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Drinking eggnog with no eggs. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. See, Hallie, I, we had to warn her in the beginning. Like we joke a lot about this, but it, it helps. Laughter is the, is the, yes, good medicine. Medicine. the only way. Um, all right. Well, we know you, you have to yeah. hop off. So thank you again so thank much. for guys. This was yeah. fun. I'm, Hang I'm, in there. Keep me oh, posted. Let me know absolutely. if you want to talk more details. Oh, thank I do. You. I'm going to be sliding to your DMs tonight. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're escaping telling me the whole start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, right. Hallie. We'll Bye, talk guys. Bye. Bye. And be well. Be well during the COVID-19 crisis. Right. Thank you for joining us here on the Glow Through It podcast. Now, Adriana, how's your spirit? <laughs> oh, you know, my spirit is at a, I'd say it's at a nine. Oh my gosh, that's so high. So much higher than yesterday's like three. Oh God, yesterday you were at a one. You know why? Because I'm sharing. And when I share, I When you share, you feel good. Better. You know, every time we do the podcast, I think you feel better. I do. I love this podcast. Does it have something to do with me? Thanks for tuning in. If you loved this episode and it resonated with you, leave a review. Don't forget to use the code GLOW through it to receive 15% off your order on littlewordsproject.com. Have a cool topic or question? Submit it via email at hello at glowthroughitpodcast.com.